On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, we now know when the Cybertruck will go into production thanks to a new interview with Elon Musk. Plus, a new ultra deluxe vegan interior option is made available for any Tesla. Motor Trend bestows another honor upon the Model S and more. What's happening, friends? Ryan McCaffrey here with you alongside my canine co-host, Daisy the Boxer. This is episode 360 of Ride the Lightning, your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast for June 26th, 2022. I have got so much to get to this week. Uh, I'm actually, I'm really excited about this week's show. You know, I'm, I always like doing it every week, of course. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it every week if I didn't like doing it, but uh, some weeks I get the show all laid out on paper. I get all my notes together. And I can just tell, oh, this is going to be a good one. This is There's a lot of fun, exciting stuff to talk about. And I think this is one of those weeks. And I hope by the time you get to the end of this episode, you will agree. Real quick, I want to say I hope all of you ludicrous tier backers and higher on my Patreon, which is at patreon.com slash Podcast, enjoyed this week's lightning round mini episode, which looked back at the Model S delivery event that happened 10 years ago this week. Yes, it is officially the 10th anniversary this past week of the first deliveries of the Model S. I've got some clips from that event in that bonus mini episode for those Patreon backers, as well as some personal reflection on that event. And uh, just as a reminder, anytime any of you decide to join the Patreon at that ludicrous tier or higher, you will unlock access to not just the now three lightning round weekly bonus mini episodes, but also the other 70 something bonus mini episodes that I had done before this, prior to starting this new weekly, you know, freeform topic format. So check that out if you are interested. First up this week, let's get right to it. Elon Musk has given a major update on the Cybertruck production timeline. This comes courtesy of the Tesla owners of Silicon Valley interview, part three of that specifically, which was posted this past week. Now, I told you about part one when that went up uh, well, a couple weeks ago. And so without further ado, here is the clip of Elon giving that timeline update on the Cybertruck. We need to get on that. I mean, I, 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 the design at least finally is, is, is locked and, and we're... For sure locked? Is, yes, locked. Uh, for sure locked. <laughs> Pencils down. Uh, yeah, seriously, the... We got, we got too carried away with the... Uh, anyway, that... that <laughs> features. It, 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 features. Blade Runner. Um, Blade Runner, yeah. <laughs> Just kept changing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, last year, the chip shortage was so bad that even if we had, uh, it wouldn't matter. Like, mm-hmm. you, you could just, you're just robbing one po- pocket to pay the other pocket. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. So you could... And we even, we could even couldn't make the stationary storage stuff because stationary storage batteries were... They used uh, chips too. Yep. So then we had like basically start of the mm-hmm. power wall line mm-hmm. uh, to make cars, mm-hmm. and even then uh, couldn't make all the cars we wanted to make. So and we go straight from that into China COVID shutdown, which was really bad. like not just affecting 
Shanghai production, but also like there's still some parts that are made in for cars made in California that are with the parts made in China, and it was and we had tooling stuck in China as well. So I, I think I'm not sure everyone knows how just how serious that the COVID shutdowns were in China up there. And it's it's not done yet, by the way. Yeah. It's not like major green light yet. It's oh. still bumpy, bumpy. Yeah, stuff to ramp up. If you were to guesstimate. When would the Cybertruck hit production? <laughs> I think middle of next year. Okay. R- roughly 12 months ish. Okay. I'm excited. I'm excited we are for it, man. I'm so like, excited. I've got a Starlink already. Mean, it's going to go out I'll, with mountain I mean, that's what me. I'll be driving when it's going to go Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So Elon's saying there that he's going to drive a Cybertruck every day, which is, I think, notable because up to this point, he has, for the most part, driven a Model S every day. Uh, he did drive a Model 3 Performance for a bit. In fact, when I interviewed him in 2019, he had, he had said at the time he was actually, I think, driving the same configuration I was, a red exterior, white interior Performance Model 3. But he has mostly, most of the years now over the last 10 years, driven a Model S day to day. So he's going to be going Cybertruck. Now, as much as I would have loved to have been right about my prediction that the Cybertruck was going to start production in Q1 of 2023, not so much as I would have enjoyed that for the sake of being right, as I would have enjoyed that because I just want you people out there who have Cybertruck reservations to start getting them. And I want to start seeing the Cybertrucks on the streets. But as you heard there, the new plan, the updated plan for the start of production on the Cybertruck one year from now, mid-2023. The good news is that I think we can be pretty confident in this timeline. Would I write it in ink instead of pencil? No, I don't think I would quite go that far because with Tesla, you know, you never quite know, but... Since the design, as again, as you heard there, the design of the Cybertruck is finally locked in. And we already know that Tesla's been doing extensive testing with at least a small fleet of Alpha uh, prototype Cybertrucks, the next revision past the initial prototype. I think we should now be pretty solid on this timeline, barring a larger macroeconomic force, like, say, a significant supply chain issue or something of that significant caliber. Now, the bad news here is the domino effect this probably should have on the rest of the products that we're still waiting on. So the Roadster being uh, the the next, I guess, I mean, it's, it is still a consumer vehicle. I mean, it's not going to be a very high volume vehicle, but it is a consumer vehicle. Whereas the Tesla Semi, different class, that may not necessarily be affected by the uh, this new timing of the Cybertruck, but the Roadster specifically, which, as a reminder, we've now been waiting on that car for officially more than five, uh, five and a half years. No, four and a half years. We're heading swiftly for five years, and we're going to soar past that. It's gonna. I, it's probably going to be six if we're lucky between the unveiling and the start of production. In fact. To that end, that's exactly what I wanted to say here, is I think this production timeline on the Cybertruck probably kicks the timeline on the Roadster back to fall of 2023 at the earliest. Now, I had already mentally prepared for that 
I'd been leaving a bit of room in my brain, in my soul, for some optimism that we might see the Roadster say next summer, but now I would put my money on Q4 of 2023. If we see the Roadster next year at all, I think it's still entirely possible that that car slips into 2024. Now, if you're wondering why I'm saying that, when you might be thinking, well, wait a second, Ryan, why does it matter when the Cybertruck goes into production? The Roadster, I mean, these are two vehicles that are gonna be built in two separate facilities. I say this for a couple of reasons. Number one, Tesla has never launched two vehicles simultaneously before. It's not to say that it's impossible. It's not to say that they can't do it or aren't capable of doing it, but just history suggests they will not. And my second reason ties into that. And that is, while I realize that as somebody who follows close Tesla very closely over the last decade plus, uh, I, I can, I've seen a lot of the history. I also don't have intimate knowledge of how Tesla production works, but I would reasonably imagine that Tesla's best production people are brought in to help any new vehicle at the start of production, no matter which facility it is being produced out of. In fact, I guess now that I think about it too, the Cybertruck is going to be the first Tesla vehicle yet, if we're not counting the original Roadster, because that was those gliders were built by Lotus, and then te Tesla themselves did the final assembly here in the San Francisco Bay Area in Menlo Park. But if, if we're setting that aside and, and talking about vehicles that Tesla has uh, completely built all on its own, the Cybertruck will be the first Tesla to not start, not to get its production start here in Fremont, here in, in, the, in California. Uh, the S, X, 3, and Y all got their start here. And of course now the 3 is produced in Shanghai as well. And the Y is produced in Shanghai, Berlin, and Texas in addition to Fremont. But anyway, uh, that just occurred to me and I thought that was just a fun little fact. But back on, to on topic here, I was saying that I do think it's it's, reasonable to suspect that Tesla's best production people, whatever the A-team is, as far as production goes, I have to figure that those people are brought in to help a new vehicle launch, to help it at the start of production, so that those people can oversee the process, oversee the on-the-line training of the, of the uh, production line team, and the refining of that vehicle's assembly line both uh, the process and the team itself. So I, and, and thus I don't see Tesla splitting those resources just, just to try and get two vehicles out the door simultaneously when they really don't have to financially. there's no big reason to do that. Uh, you know, the, and the, the roadster, neither one of those vehicles should be, should be rushed or should have anything but the utmost of Tesla's attention. Elon has said he believes the Cybertruck is the best vehicle Tesla's ever done. He thinks it's their their uh, their masterpiece. That, that he has said that, and the Roadster is in its own little way important too, because it's there to uh, it's the halo car. It is the uh, the dessert car, the embarrass all of the gas cars, and prove once and for all 
that electric cars are better in every way than gas cars. So the Roadster, they're not just going to rush that, especially after we've been waiting five plus years. It's not just going to be like, okay, well, let's just let's just split the team. Let's just get it out. It doesn't matter, we're, even though we're busy with the Cybertruck right now. So the Cybertruck is the priority, make no mistake. But Tesla does have to get the Roadster right as well, not only for the reasons I just mentioned, but also the buyers of those cars are spending a quarter million dollars plus to get them. So that is not something that you take lightly if you are Tesla. Uh, So for just a quick plug here, if you want to hear the entire interview there, uh, whether you want to listen to part one, part two, and or part three, which is, again, part three is the clip that I just played you. uh, That's It's from part three. You can just go on YouTube and search Tesla owners, Silicon Valley, Elon Musk interview, and you'll find it pretty quickly. Also, this story being the big story of the week, in my opinion, inspired me to do a new Patreon poll. I'm going to start doing these every week now because, you know, I did one last week and I, and then I thought, well, you know what? That was kind of fun to just pull the, the, the ride, the lightning audience on Patreon and see what people are thinking. So I think I'm going to start doing that every single week and I'll tell you about it on each week's podcast. So, uh, the new topic for this week was are you willing to keep waiting for the Cybertruck? Because this is ostensibly a, another delay. I mean, it, not technically, because Elon just said 2023. It was my own personal theory that said uh, that thought it was going to be Q1. So I guess technically it's not a delay. But just that aside, now that we have a much more concrete idea of the production timeline on the Cybertruck, I pulled my Patreon backers and said, are you willing to keep waiting for the Cybertruck? And the results were not too surprising on this one, given that this is a Tesla podcast created by a Tesla enthusiast and listened to by Tesla enthusiasts like all of you. And so the results were with about 100 votes, actually, in in this particular one. It's been a couple days since I put it up. 79% of you said, yes, you will keep waiting for the Cybertruck. 17% though did say, no, you'll go, they'll go with another EV, be it another Tesla or something else. That was exactly how I had phrased it. And then 3% of you, just a few folks said, well, maybe depending on when their delivery date finally comes. So they're effectively, they're undecided and that's completely fair. So big news this week. For those of you waiting for Cybertruck, which I know is so, so many of you out there. Next up this week, more fun stuff. I I told you at the top, this was going to be a fun one. The Tesla aftermarket performance wizards at Unplugged Performance, who I've mentioned on the podcast before, have another hot new collab, as the kids say. (laughs) Earlier this year, I told you about their team up with Koenigsegg to make carbon fiber spoilers for the four Teslas. Now the unplugged performance crew have partnered with Von Holzhausen. No, not Franz, but Vicky, which is, uh, she is Franz's spouse, Franz's wife. And Von Holzhausen, uh, she is not simply, she is far more than Franz's wife. She is a very successful designer herself, She runs the vegan fashion company known as simply Von Holzhausen and uh, Unplugged Performance teaming up with Von Holzhausen to offer custom interiors 
for any of the four Teslas. Now, you have your choice of the one they showed off in a teaser video this week, which is Bamboo Leather. I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly because it's B-A-N-B-U with a with an accent over the, the, set, the U. So it is, it is Bamboo Leather, which is still vegan, to be clear. And it is roughly caramel in color, is how I would describe it. If you if you haven't seen pictures of it, that's it's roughly that color. But it's all super ultra premium materials all th- all throughout the interior, with this bamboo vegan uh, stuff. So uh, Unplugged Performance says that you can get it in any of the four Teslas now, and you can either just bring them your car and. Interestingly, Unplugged Performance is located almost literally next door to Franz von Holzhausen and the Tesla Design Studio in Hawthorne, California. You can either bring your car to them, or if you want to order a new car and get it installed in that car, you just they will take delivery of it for you. You can have it delivered to Unplugged Performance, and they will you will just not even see the car until they've completed the interior uh, customization for you. And Unplugged Performance also says they plan to offer it for the next-gen Roadster and the Cybertruck once those become available. Some more details on this from Drive Tesla Canada, who writes, according to a press release from Unplugged Performance, Bamboo leather is a, quote, vegan leather that is buttery soft like lambskin, scratch-resistant, stain-resistant, water-resistant, lightweight, and made from the most renewable raw material on earth, bamboo, as you probably guessed from the name. And then the, uh, they mentioned the new interior, as I said, is available to both existing owners and customers placing an order today. Existing owners can bring their cars in, as I said, uh, and as I said, you can take, if you wanna have a new car delivered to them. So here, let's get to the, let's fast forward to the price. A custom, I, I hope, by the way, you have, <laughs> you've, you've kind of already figured out that this is not gonna be a cheap situation. A custom handmade interior with Von Holzhausen bamboo leather is priced at $30,000, US dollars. A refundable $500 deposit, deposit pardon me, is required at the time of ordering. And complete custom interiors featuring Von Holzhausen, Alcantara, and other premium vegan materials extended across the entire vehicle begin at Forty thousand dollars, thirty nine 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 five. So if you're not into the bamboo or the, that particular color of it, you can go totally nuts with anything else that von Holzhausen has to offer, and you can just just deck out your car and have the most posh vegan interior that you can possibly dream up. Uh, Unplugged Performance notes that customers can also select. Stitch detail preferences. This is in the cu- in the custom into the more expensive custom one. S- uh, stitch detail performances, stitch thread color options, perforations, and multiple material colors are all part of that custom option. The new interior option is not available today. Unplugged says the next available build slots for North America are in winter 2022. The company plans to expand to offer the service to European customers next year. Well, based on the sheer cost of this, I would expect very 
very few Model 3s and Model Ys to, if you will, take up, up on this, unplug performance, up. Sorry, had, had I had to make the little joke there. But I would expect very few 3s and Ys to take them up on this because I feel like not many folks are going to be willing to spend exactly half the price of the car on a custom interior, a 50% option, effectively, which is which would be pretty wild. I figure most of the customers for this are likely going to be Model S and Model X customers. And personally speaking, uh, even though the the uh, demo car they showed in their little video was a was a Plaid Model S, for me, I think the Model X in particular is where you would get the most for your money here. And again, yes, it is a lot of money. But I think the X is where this would shine the most because you got the Model X six-seat interior, which I've said this a million times before. That interior, the six-seat configuration, already makes the cabin look like the inside of a private plane, uh, which I love about it. And so decking it out with either the $30,000 bamboo option or a totally custom seat carpet headliner package in some other premium vegan materials from Von Holzhausen and custom colors, you know, doing the whole $40,000 thing, that would really make your Model X stand out from the crowd. Still expensive, don't get me wrong, but you're you're talking about, you know, that something that's a third of the price of a Model X, a third, yeah, roughly, a third to... Well, even 20%, potentially, if you were to get a, go with a Plaid X and load it up, then it's, it's, it's still a significant cost, but just not as, as big of a percentage as it would be on the 3 and on the Y. But um, yeah, the Model X, that's the one I think we'll start to see. I, I think we'll see more people take unplugged performance up on that with an X than with any other vehicle. Now, obviously, that said... I do also think you'll see future next-gen Roadster owners take them up on this offer, too. In fact, I mean, given the relatively low-volume production on the Roadster, I would bet that the percentage of future owners of Tesla's upcoming supercar who opt for this interior uh, option will be quite a bit higher than the other vehicles, just by for no other reason than the cost of the car and the uh, volume of production. So it's like if if five people out of every 100 Roadster buyers does this, well, that, that 5% is probably going to be a whole lot higher than, any, than, than the percentage of SX3 or Y owners that will, uh, that will opt for this. Anyway, it is, again, pricey, but I think it's pretty cool that... Franz's wife's vegan fashion, vegan uh, design company is partnering with Unplugged Performance, who is just such an awesome part of the Tesla community. I love the team up here, even if it's not something that I can personally afford. Next up this week, more good news. Motor Trend has named the Tesla Model S one of the 10 greatest American cars of all time. The well-known enthusiast car magazine crew said this about their list. You can define greatness in many ways, but these are all automobiles that were hugely influential in terms of their technology, design, engineering, 
and their impact on society and popular culture. These are machines that changed the world or changed our world is how they've, they've worded it. And they wrote this about the S specifically, quote, the mere fact that the Tesla Model S exists at all is a testament to innovation and entrepreneurship, the very qualities that made the American automobile industry the largest, richest, and most powerful in the world. We've not yet become a nation of bankers or burger flippers. America can still make things, great things. But what marks the Tesla Model S as one of the all-time great American cars is that it has single-handedly changed the tenor of the conversation about electric vehicles. The Model S made electric cars cool for auto enthusiasts. How? It's good-looking and very qu- and good-looking and quick. Very, very quick. In plaid guise, we clocked the Model S at just 2.07 seconds to 60 miles per hour. That's monumentally impressive. The quickest production vehicle we've ever tested and an American-made EV at that. Well said, Motor Trend. Well said. Now, if you're curious, the list was not numbered, so they did not rank them. The, The Model S wasn't necessarily number one, although... The Tesla was at the bottom of the page where number one would normally go. I'll just throw that in there. And I'll throw this in too. Motor Trend has previously named the Model S their ultimate car of the year. You may remember that from 2019. That was something they put together there. You know, they do a car of the year every year. And the ultimate car of the year was across all of the decades of the automotive industry. And the Model S came out on top of that. And again, they they did that. They named they gave it that honor in 2019, which was well before the Model S plaid showed up to redefine everything again. So, maybe they did mean for the Model S to be number 1 even though they didn't actually put numbers uh, attached to these rankings or you know, maybe it did just happen to be the final car on the list. You know, wink, wink. But regardless, it's a, it is a well-deserved honor from Motor Trend, who was arguably, by the way, the first of the major automotive, traditional automotive media outlets to really embrace Tesla and give the company and its products their due. I have appreciated that about Motor Trend. If you're wondering what other cars made this list, there are no other EVs. So that's of note. That's probably not a surprise. Although I, you know, fanboyishly would make the case for the Model 3 as well. Because as as vital to the EV movement as the Model S was, I think the Model 3 has really been the catalyst, kind of the tipping point that got all of the other automakers to finally go, okay, we'll make EVs. Jeez, this Model 3, it's just outselling all of our stuff and people just want them. So I I would make a case for the Model 3 on there as well. But again, that may just be me being a Tesla fanboy. So the rest of the list, there are definitely some American classics on this list. You have the Ford Model T, the 1932 Ford Model 18, the Duesenberg Model SJ, the Jeep MB, the Oldsmobile Rocket 88, the Chevrolet Corvette, 
the Ford Mustang, the Ford GT, and as a three for one, because there are three versions of the same vehicle, the original minivan, the Plymouth Voyager slash Chrysler Town and Country, pardon me, slash Dodge Caravan. Now, the timing of this, as uh, you may have put together by now from what I mentioned at the top of the show about the, uh, the, the lightning round bonus mini episode on Patreon this week, the timing of this list by Motor Trend, coincidence or not, the timing's pretty perfect because, as I said, this week was the 10th anniversary of the first Model S deliveries. And, you know, I, I did want to just reminisce a little bit more here um, to, not, to not just... I, I thought of this after I did the Patreon version of, the, of this uh, spiel, but that the milestone of, of 10 years, it reminded me of my own review of the original Model S, which was a 2013 Model S P85 which I did for IGN, my day job, which that was two years before this podcast would even become a twinkle in my eye. I conv- I reached out to Tesla, just I said, hey, I'm with IGN, we cover tech, we, you know, we're games and entertainment, but we also cover tech. And to Tesla's credit, they were like, sure, come get a review car, because I was local. Uh, Tesla, of course, being in the Bay Area, and I'm here in the Bay Area with, uh, as is IGN. So, they were, you know, they they took a they they took a flyer on us as far as, you know, they they had no idea what I might say about the Model S. They didn't know that I'd already been obsessing about it for a few years at that point. But uh, I'm really proud of this. I'm still proud of this. I watched it again this week just because I, you know, I thought of it with the 10th anniversary, and then I watched the the video review. You can watch the full video review on YouTube if you just search IGN. Tesla Model S review, you'll find it. I actually, uh, there's two. I did the P85D in 2015. I, uh, Tesla gave me another car. Again, that was still before the podcast. Uh, and then, but the, but um, the one I'm referencing here is the original, the t- 2013 Model S P85 review for IGN. And uh, I think my conclusion in this review, it's like an eight minute video. It's It's pretty long, but... The conclusion, I I think, if I may humbly say so myself, turned out to be 100% dead-on accurate. So I'm going to play you just the conclusion. Take a listen to what I said at the end of my Model S review in July of 2013. Honestly, it wasn't until I got back in my own gas-powered car at the end of the week that the brilliance of the Model S really sunk in. What? There's a key and an ignition and a clutch? I can't just get in and go and then get out and walk away when I'm done? And I have to go to the sketchy gas station in the middle of the night where the premium fuel my car requires costs $4.50 a gallon? It was then that it became clear to me. Outside of your indispensable smartphone, the Model S is the best piece of technology you could possibly have in your daily life. If you can afford its $63,570 base price. And I say that knowing, frighteningly, that this is only a 1.0 version. Remember the original iPhone? People called it the Jesus phone and happily paid its $600 asking price. Today we pay half that for the latest Apple phone, and you'd probably laugh out loud if you picked up a first-generation iPhone again. 
If Tesla makes similar advances in both technology and price reduction, and they've already said they hope to have a mid-sized $30,000 sedan out in about three to four years, then the automotive world is going to be a much better place very soon. Well, for us anyway, not so much for other automakers. For all the latest and greatest on your favorite tech, you're already in the right place. IGN. I hope you enjoyed that. I had a fun little trip down memory lane with that this week. Anyway, moving on to the next story, how about another list to have fun with? Let's take a look at the 2022 cars.com American Made Index. Which cars are the most American? Well, you can probably guess the answer to that since, you know, you're listening to a Tesla podcast. But here's the skinny from cars.com who writes, Topping the 2022 index is Tesla, which not only retains its number one overall ranking thanks to the Model Y, but furthers its presence on the list with all four vehicles of its current lineup placing in the top 10. The Model 3 drops one spot from 2021 to number two, the Model X comes in at number five, and the Model S follows at number six. The Lincoln Corsair and Honda Passport SUVs break the Texas-based automaker's stranglehold at the top with numbers three and four, respectively, while the Jeep Cherokee and three more Hondas in the Ridgeline, Odyssey, and Pilot round out the top 10. And they later added as further explanation of this list, quote, substantially updated versions of the Model S sedan and Model X SUV were late to arrive for 2021, which robbed them of sales data needed to meet our threshold for last year's index. Their reappearance, coupled with the recent opening of a new plant producing Model Ys in Austin, Texas, that bolsters the company's workforce credentials, means Tesla's representation has never been more conspicuous. Well, I thought strangely here in that top 10 of the six of those top 10 that are not Teslas, only two of them are American companies. It's those four Hondas that cars.com mentioned. Go figure, right? Four Hondas. And then the Lincoln Corsair at number three and the Jeep Cherokee at number seven. So four of the four of the 10 most American car made cars are from a Japanese car company. Now, I, I will say, I do wish that cars.com put forward more of their data on this. I mean, sure, they gave their five criteria, which are assembly location, parts content, engine origins, transmission origins, and US manufacturing workforce, but they didn't break it down further. Like, I, for one, would be curious to know what parts from the Model S and X aren't American sourced, whereas clearly those parts uh, are made in the USA for the three and the Y because those topped the list. But overall, uh, this is still a pretty nice point of pride for us American Tesla owners. And you know, on this note, I was kindly invited to meet up for a drink by... Ride the Lightning listener and Patreon backer Lucas from Switzerland, who was very briefly in San Francisco this past week, and he reached out and said, hey, you want to get a drink? I'm, I'm just in town for a, a hot minute. And I said, sure, let's meet up. And when we, when we were chatting, it was great to meet him. And I was asking him, 
if any other, he was telling me about the Tesla scene in Switzerland. And I was asking him, you know, are any other American cars in Switzerland regarded as highly desirable in Switzerland as the Teslas are? Because he, he did make it clear, Teslas are very desired there. There are, uh, there's a, a very strong showing of Teslas in Switzerland. And the only other car, after he thought about it for a minute, the only other one he could come up with was the Corvette, which, by the way, makes sense because the Corvette, especially the, the newer ones, are pretty awesome cars. But over there, he said it's it's mostly German-made cars. So it's pretty cool that the Teslas have, as American cars in a, in a foreign country, really uh, broken through as being highly desirable things. And I just always appreciate getting that different perspective on the Tesla experience, since as I remind you from time to time, I live here in the Tesla bubble in the San Francisco Bay Area, which I think is for better and for worse, right? There are are good things about that and bad things about that. So I do always appreciate a different Tesla perspective. Now, from elsewhere in the Muskiverse this week, but... I'm going to talk about this story because it is directly related to Tesla since the Boring Company uses Teslas exclusively in their tunnels. Las Vegas city leaders have approved an expansion of the Boring Company's loop that currently serves the very, very large Los Angeles, Los Angeles, sorry, Las Vegas Convention Center there. This story was sent to me via listener Chantal from Henderson, Nevada. So, uh, Nevada, pardon me. So, thank you. And the story was originally sourced from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, who writes, The Las Vegas City Council approved plans for the Boring Company's Vegas Loop to extend from the resort corridor into downtown Las Vegas. The council unanimously approved the monorail agreement for the project, paving the way for the underground transportation system featuring a fleet of Teslas to include five initial downtown stops. The agreement, good for 50 years, will tie into the system that is planned for Clark County's jurisdiction that includes several strip properties and Allegiant Stadium. That's the Raiders football stadium, where, of course, there are concerts and things as well. The Vegas Loop will be a 34-mile tunnel network with about 55 stations, including Harry Reid International Airport and Allegiant Stadium. Around five miles of tunnels and at least five stations will be included in the downtown area. Boring Company President Steve Davis said he envisions tunneling for the project in downtown Las Vegas to start sometime in 2023. Quote, This is step two, and there are eight steps for us to be opening, Davis said. There's a long way to go and a lot of work to do, but if I were to guess on the spot, I would guess we'd have machines in the ground next calendar year, end quote. Davis said the system will be relatively cheap for riders, saying that a ride from the Fremont Street Experience downtown to Reed International Airport, once that portion is operational, would cost about $12 and take eight or nine minutes. Quote, it's not going to be $30, It's not going to be $1. $12 is kind of where we are, Davis said. It's compelling. Uh, I would agree, because an Uber would probably be more than that, and it's probably going to take longer to take the surface streets and have to deal with traffic. 
Anyway, uh, the Las Vegas Review, Review Journal story finishes this way by saying, The Boring Company's loop system is largely untested, with the Convention Center loop being the only fully operational system of its kind. Since it was opened to conventioneers, it has served over 700,000 riders. Councilwoman Victoria Seaman said that despite the small data pool for the system, now is the time to get this project underway. Quote, I have been a fan of this technology since I toured the tunnels when they were being built. And I think with the growth of Las Vegas, this is going to be a game changer, Seaman said. I think sometimes you have to take a risk to be successful. We need to move with the technology and it will be cleaner for the environment. My only question is how soon are we going to have this in my ward? End quote. Uh, I will say, I've said this before and I'll say it again because I think it's well-deserved and that is good on Las Vegas's city leaders for trying something new. You could make the argument in most cases, I imagine, that the boring company system's useful in most proposed situations. But in Las Vegas specifically, given how spread out everything is in general, uh, outside of the Strip, which is pretty walkable, but given how spread out everything is and how hot the city is for half the year, the boring tunnels provided what I feel is a very good potential solution that is a particularly great fit in Vegas. And I think city leadership deserves a lot of credit for betting on the boring company here. I really do. And this means, by the way, that once this significant expansion of that tunnel network is complete, there are going to be a lot of Teslas silently running around Las Vegas underneath everyone's feet at all hours of the day and night. And I'll tell you, I would absolutely use this instead of a ride share or a taxi cab from the airport to my hotel if I were staying on the strip or if I were going to any of the places that this loop is going to serve. I would absolutely use this. And furthermore, I think there's another benefit here too, and that is this. I feel like this is going to raise awareness and ultimately sales of Teslas. And I'll go so far as to say I guarantee that. Because Vegas is such a tourist city, a tourist-driven city, there are always people coming into town from other places. Those people are going to try this out, some of them having never been in a Tesla, and they're going to be impressed by the silence of the car, the smoothness of the ride, the tech, etc. I really think this is going to sell a lot of Teslas in the long run. It is, uh, it is its own very unique form of advertising for Tesla. And I will be eager to hear what the total ridership of this is going to be after this extended loop has been in operation for, say, one full year, right? We heard the 700,000 riders stat from just the convention center loop. Once this bigger expanded loop opens, I'm really curious to hear how many people actually ride it. But I'll say congratulations, Las Vegas. And in fact, again, big ups to Nevada, who has been a friend to Tesla. First, Nevada was the home to Tesla's first Gigafactory, Giga uh, Nevada in Reno, and they still are, certainly. And now 
with Vegas getting in the action, in on the action with not just version 1.0 of the boring tunnel loop, very soon it will be version 2.0 of that boring tunnel loop. Finally this week, again, it's been a busy one, but an exciting week. This is a quick follow-up from last week. Tesla has indeed made enhanced autopilot available once again here in North America for $6,000, which is half the price of the full kitten caboodle FSD package. So there is, as of this recording, no monthly subscription option on that. I would, honestly, my gut says it's probably a 50-50 chance of that happening. I can see it going either way of there being a monthly subscription option or, or not, and you just have to spend the 6K outright. But it is there now. And uh, speaking of the Patreon poll, here were the final, you know, I gave you some results on last week's episode, but here were the final poll results from that first Patreon poll on this topic last week. Again, the question was, thankfully I, I got it, I ended up being correct. I said, I asked, would you pay for enhanced autopilot at $6,000 if it came back? And the final vote ended up being pretty close. When I, I think when I read you the results at the time, uh, when I was recording last week's show, it was, it was definitely heavier, more heavily in favor of yes. Well, it finished 51 yes votes, 44 no. So it ended up being quite close on that. And again, lots of good discussion in the comments there. A lot of really good perspectives and good, good thoughts, good observations from people on that if you want to take a look on the Patreon. And so as it stands now, this is a real thing again, and it's certainly up to each of you to decide if Enhanced Autopilot is worth it at that $6,000 price. Personally, I do think the Enhanced Autopilot features are excellent. Now, personally, if I were buying a new Tesla today, I would spend the $6,000 on Enhanced Autopilot but I would hold off on full self-driving. I would look at upgrading to FSD whenever Tesla genuinely cracks city streets full self-driving and it's not a beta that has to be very constantly and carefully monitored, which is how it is now because it is still very much a beta. And maybe that's gonna happen in a year from now, two years from now, maybe five, I don't know. It's a, it's a problem that's never been solved before. Tesla is breaking new ground here. But as I told you, I've mentioned this before, I have been recommending to friends that have ordered Teslas and, and asked my opinion about the full self-driving package, I have told them, no, I, I don't recommend that at $12,000. Anybody that asks me moving forward from here on out, I will tell them, that I personally think enhanced autopilot is worth it. I'm gonna recommend that and I'm still gonna say, I think 12K is too much for FSD as it is today. Gotta wait for it to mature some more. At least that's how I see it. All right, that is everything in a very busy week of Tesla news, but I've got some excellent phone calls from all of you lined up in the Ride the Lightning hotline coming up right after this.
welcome to the Ride the Lightning Hotline, your chance to call in and be a part of the podcast. If you've got a question, comment, or discussion topic for the podcast, I welcome you, I encourage you to call in. There are two easy ways that you can do that. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question, please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many people each week as possible, and then email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can take that same 90 second or less question and just call in and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It is toll free. It is available 24 seven and the number is 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com if you'd like to learn more. Kicking it off is someone else uh, besides me who's been having windshield troubles. It's Richard from Atlanta. Hey, Ryan, this is Richard from Atlanta, Georgia. I had a question about windshields. I've noticed you've been speaking of windshields. I've had my brother bust one out in his Model 3, and I just busted my Model Y's windshield. Is this a common thing? I've never broken a windshield in my life. Or is this some sort of new regulatory make it easier to rescue people in car crashes? What's your opinion? Thanks. Hey, Richard. Well, I wish I had a more concrete answer for you. I've heard the chatter that Tesla's glass is more susceptible to cracks, just like their paint is the, you know, the urban legend is their paint is soft because California regulations don't allow you to put lead in the paint. Again, I would regard both of these as urban legends, but I'm not saying that they're necessarily wrong. They are. I do believe they're urban legends, but I can't wholly dismiss them. Like you, a crack in the windshield was a rare thing for me prior to getting my Tesla. I had, again, I can't remember, either one or none on my previous car, and I had one in 12 years of DeLorean ownership, which uh, I drove 50,000 miles in that car in that time, which, as I recall it, was because I dropped a tool onto the base of the windshield while I was working on something on the car, and it cracked. And so now I've had to replace my Model 3 windshield twice in four years. So maybe there's something fundamentally different about Tesla's glass, be it the thickness or, you know, maybe being if it's less thick for weight reasons or what have you. Maybe. I don't know. All I can really do, honestly, is advise everyone to either get glass specific coverage on your insurance if you can or have a deductible that you're comfortable paying should the glass get cracked or broken. Now, Richard, good luck to both of us on our respective new windshields, and thank you for your call. Next up this week is Ken from Columbus, Ohio. Hi, Ryan. My name's Ken. I'm from Columbus, Ohio. And uh, first of all, thanks for a great podcast. Uh, Also, uh, first off, I wanted to see if you could do me a favor and wish my daughter a happy birthday. She turns 11 on June 25th, and her name is Tesla. I thought you might get a kick out of that. Uh, Anyway, I also did have a couple of questions, comments. Um, I have a pre-order for a Cybertruck, and 
About the price on it, I know you mentioned how you believe it's going to be more than what we'd locked in. Uh, I also uh, got the autopilot package, which at the time was $7,000. Do you think that is locked in at that price or could that go up as well? Uh, just trying to budget out for the Cybertruck when it does come out. <laughs> and uh, a secondary question on that is, what do you think the uh, total lifespan of a Cybertruck might be? Um, I'm planning on keeping this thing for a long time, like 20 years or so. Uh, do you think that's realistic or um, should I kind of readjust my, my plans there? <laughs> anyway, thank you, Ryan, for taking this call and uh, wish you well. Bye. Ken, thanks for calling in and I wish your daughter a happy birthday. I hope she has a great day this week. To answer your Cybertruck questions, first... We unfortunately don't know yet if Tesla is going to honor that original $7,000 FSD price, which is what it was at the time you placed your reservation, of course. I think it would be a show of good faith and a great way to build trust and happiness with the customers who've waited years for their Cybertruck. But the difference between the Cybertruck's FSD pricing and the Model Y's FSD pricing for people that put down money on that car in advance of its launch was that the Cybertruck is, as you know, a $100 reservation. The Model Y deposits ahead of the launch of that car following its unveiling in March of 2019 was that you put down a act an actual order, a $2,500 deposit on an order. And so because of that distinction, I'm personally leaning towards Tesla not honoring those 2019 $7,000 FSD prices. But let me be clear that I would absolutely welcome and celebrate being wrong on that. I want to also give a shout out real fast to Darren from DC who called in with the same question this week. Uh, I have a more cheerful response to your second question, though, and that is this. I think your Cybertruck should easily last 20 years. The stainless steel body, I mean, that's a no-brainer. That's going to last. I can tell you from personal experience that DeLoreans are now 40 years old, and even ones that have sat outside and been left to rot still have perfect bodies. So you can still restore the cars by just redoing the interior, the, you know, the interior rots, but the body doesn't. So just redo the interior, you know, service the engine, you know, get, replace any rubber parts, and you can bring a DeLorean back from what feels like near death. And a big part of the reason for that is because the body doesn't rot. So that's that's a good news. That's that's one thing that stainless steel has going for it, and thus one thing the Cybertruck will have going for it. Now the motors, the electric motors that are gonna be in the Cybertruck will be the latest generation Tesla drivetrains, probably capable of a million miles there. And the same should probably be the case for the new 4680 battery cells that will go into the Cybertruck as well. So in short, I believe the Cybertruck should be plenty capable of, of enjoying an extremely long life, which to be fair, many ICE trucks are kept for many, many years as well. That's a thing that the truck makers like to brag about. And I think Tesla is likely to be able to do the same, if not say, hey, our truck's gonna last even longer than any of the other guys out there. 
Ken, thanks for your call. I've just got time for one more caller this week. It's from uh, Doug in Connecticut slash Naples, Florida, depending on the time of year. Go ahead, Doug. Hey, Ryan, this is Doug from Darien, Connecticut and Naples, Florida. I want to call to give your listeners an update on the Tesla CCS1 charger. I've actually been interested in one for a long time. I ordered and then returned the SeaTac one from a few months ago since it was big, heavy, and not very reliable. I recently ordered the CCS1 adapter from Tesla through South Korea. There's a service called Harmio, H-A-R-U-M-I-O, that will get it for you for $309 US, including shipping. I found that it works perfectly on my Model S, but does not work on my Model Y. You can tell that by going to software, additional vehicle information, and then I'll say either CCS adapter support enabled or not installed. Anyway, my Model S is my road tripper, and that's the one I want it for. It's uh, not as seamless as using a Tesla supercharger, but is pretty seem- is pretty easy. You just plug it in. I've been using the Electrify America chargers, and uh, you swipe an app. And then, of course, you have to manually unlock the port when it's done and pull it out. And the advantage is if you sign up for Electrify America's $4 plan, then you get a much cheaper charging rate of a flat $0.31 per kilowatt. Uh, I got this primarily because there are places where there are CCS chargers and not Tesla chargers. Or maybe the CCS chargers are less crowded. That doesn't happen so much at ease because our Tesla chargers are not that busy, but I know you guys in the West uh, have very long lines sometimes. Anyway, I hope that's a... Uh, an update that will be helpful to some and uh, enjoy the podcast. Keep it up and uh, talk to you later. Doug, I really appreciate your call here. CCS is rapidly becoming more common as EVs become more common. And you are not the first person I have heard of in the Tesla community who has imported the Tesla brand CCS adapter from South Korea. Hopefully it's mere existence there means that it will be made available here in North America sooner rather than later. But in the meantime, it is good to know that it does work here, at least on the Model S, and I would presume also the Model X, if not the 3 and the Y for now. Doug, safe travels. Thank you for sharing that experience, sharing that PSA. And thank you to everybody that took the time to call in. I promise I will get to more phone calls on next week's show. I've still got more queued up. But feel free to call in if you want to react to something I said earlier in the show or to another caller. I gave you the call-in instructions for the Ride the Lightning hotline at the top of this segment. But stick around. I'm not done yet. I've got more Ride the Lightning coming up, including your pro tip of the week coming up right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. As for what's happening with my car, I had it back in service this week completely voluntarily. I think I mentioned it on last week's show. You know, I just got my windshield done, but I chose to make another appointment because my warranty is expiring in, in fact, as I record this, just over 30 days from now. And so I wanted to have a few things checked, the 12 volt battery, the upper control arms. And then I also needed, uh, it was just due for new wiper blades anyway, every two years and an alignment every two years. 
So I just go, wanted to have Tesla take care of that stuff and, and just take a look at the car. And I have to say, I want to give a shout out to my very awesome service advisor, Tesla San Francisco, Ashley. Just did a tremendous job. Uh, she was great when I dropped off the car. I explained, you know, there's no, there, I'm not hearing any noises or anything from my upper control arms, but I've heard that that older Model 3s like mine can be prone to them. And she, you know, she knew exactly. It was like, yeah, you know, I've run into that. And so she, you know, she was right with me on that. Totally was, uh, understood my concern there of wanting to get them checked prior to the expiration of the warranty. And then with the 12 volt battery, she said, there's really no way to gauge the, the health of it except for just measure the voltage, which she could check from just tapping into the car right there, you know, in service, which she did as I was dropping off the car and said it was putting out a healthy like 14 volts. So for now, my 12 volt battery is fine. And I guess when it goes again, it'll be out of my own pocket, which is unfortunate. But uh, the good news, she was saying that, I mean, she, she was very careful not to make any promises. She knows, you know, she's... She wants to make that clear, but she was she was uh, making it clear that like, hey, I would bet, and I agree with her by the way, that Tesla will eventually offer a lithium battery replacement, which, as you all know, that's what's going in the new threes, uh, Ys, S's, and X's. That hopefully there there will be a a lithium uh, replacement for the twelve volt battery for the rest of us. So at some point in the in the near future, because I was you know I was saying to her, yeah, I mean, you would think it would be in not just the customer's best interest, because the customer doesn't want to get stranded, doesn't want to have to deal with this, and for Tesla, they've their bandwidth is limited as is. They probably would love to av- not have customers coming in for twelve volt battery replacements. So again, like she didn't you know have any inside information or anything, at least from what I could gather and just like I don't either with regard to that but she she was she's she was confident that there will be a a lithium replacement that those of us with pre-2022 cars could get uh at some point so I hope she's right about that but really the rest of my visit I again I want to give a lot of credit to Ashley and I had a great experience this time because not only you know did she just walk me through my concerns and we had the little 12 volt battery conversa- conversation, but she was extremely, she was proactive uh, on her communication in the, on the Tesla app with the, the messages. Cause they ended up, they, she told me they weren't sure if they would need to keep my car overnight to get through everything on the list. And when it got to be 4:30 and they're closing at five, I was sitting there going, Hmm, do I like, I haven't heard from them yet. Do I just head over there thinking that the car might be done? And if it's not done, I'm going to have to turn around and just come back in an Uber. And right as I was kind of deciding whether or not to do that, she proactively messaged me and said, hey, we'll need your car uh, until tomorrow. So that I love that. And then another thing that they did that, that was great on this is just, again, just good service that made me happy was the alignment that I wanted to do because it's you're supposed to do that every two years. They got it up, they, they got the car ready to go, and, and they were doing their measurements, and they found the, the car was already still properly aligned, even after the, it was the last aligned two years ago, which, quite frankly, I was surprised because the streets of San Francisco are not great, which, 
We pay a fortune to live here. I don't know how our roads are so bad, but that's a topic for another day, I guess. But I was I was still I was pleasantly surprised that the the alignment was fine. So they didn't charge me anything for it, not even a diagnostic fee, just nothing. So because when I got my bill, I was like, wait, why is this way less than? And then I looked at, oh, they okay, no, they didn't align it. So uh, because it didn't need it, so that was great. I really appreciated that. And uh, I got a message from Ashley that said, oh, we we found a nail in your tire as we were well as we were doing a tire rotation. Because she met, she measured my tie, my tread depth when I got there, and which I had done recently uh, at America's Tire, and I knew that I still had some meat. I had six thirty seconds left on my tire, so I knew I was okay. And she said, "Well, it's four in the back, so if you want to rotate them one more time before you end up replacing them." So I did that, uh, which they did charge me for that. But then, as they were doing that, they found the seven thousandth nail that I've picked up in the four years I've had this car, and took care of plugged it and didn't charge me for that. So really appreciated that. Just, just good, excellent service. Nothing that was above and beyond, I would say. But again, I don't mean that in any kind of negative way. It was just proactive, good service. That's which, you know, I, I haven't always gotten, I, w- I wouldn't say I've ever had a bad experience. Actually, I did have one. In fact, my first, my first Tesla service experience was not great, and it was at, it was down at Tesla Burlingame when I had a, 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 a taillight issue that I thought should have been warrantied, and they wanted to charge me for it, and I guess I would have talked about it four years ago, but I'll, I'll just move on, but but yeah, this was just a really great, ex, great service experience, and so shout out to Ashley, shout out to Tesla Service, because I do know that the Tesla San Francisco team listens to this podcast, or at least they used to. So I hope they still do and can give their kudos to Ashley. Uh, Real quick, I actually want to ask all of you something. Those of you who are battery experts, who are, who are, who are, you know, better with, with, with science than me, because I'm a, I'm a liberal arts guy. I'm a writer. I'm a communicator. Uh, So I, I think I mentioned after my cousin Pat's passing earlier this year, that we discovered a new inbox power wall on his garage floor that he never had installed that I had won him in the referral program back before I had my own referral code. And so uh, the, the Pat's immediate family said, Ryan, you go ahead and take that. That's no problem. You're welcome to that. And I was just looking up freight options because it's, it's a 300 plus pound shipment. I mean, it's on a, a little pallet. It's in a you know, giant box and there's some other uh, additional hardware that's with it. So it's enormous. It's not something that just FedEx or UPS can can take. Actually, FedEx said they would take it, but it was going to be like $2,000. So like, let me look into freight shipping. So I did that and I got a, a, a reasonable quote, actually. But then... A horrible thought occurred to me that I that I don't know the answer to. So I want to ask if anybody knows. And if you do, please email me, teslapodcast at gmail.com. And the question is this. Is, as we know, the power walls have 2170 battery cells in them. Is a power wall that's been sitting in the box, never opened 
for the last two or three years, probably. I don't actually know exactly when Pat got it. I'd probably have to go look at my old text history with him, but the point is, it's been multiple years. Is that power wall still good, or is that battery going to be bricked? That's uh, that's the question I want to get answered for myself before I s- incur a, a reasonable expense to have it shipped up here. And I'm just not sure, because... I don't know. I mean, you know, you're supposed to keep your car plugged in. You don't want to let that drain down to zero. So is that the case with the power walls as well? And yes, I did try to email Tesla. I was on tesla.com slash powerwall, and there's a little, like, ask a question form at the bottom. So I submitted that several days ago. Haven't received a response. I would imagine, given how... Sometimes Tesla is like a skeleton crew, depending on what department it is. Probably no one has seen that question. I don't I don't even know. But the point is, I haven't heard back from them. If any of you are, have like a, a reasonably good idea, I would love to hear from you. Again, before I go to the, the trouble and expense of having that thing freighted up to me. All right, uh, let me give you your pro tip of the week. It's from Chris in Chicago, who was responding to Mike, a previous caller, about dog mode not working with a state of charge under 20%. Chris has a workaround, which I think is a great pro tip of the week. Take a listen to this. Hi, Ryan. Chris from Chicago again. I just have a follow-up comment in regards to Mike from last week with his dog mode comment. Uh, how dog mode doesn't work when the state of charge is less than 20%. While we all know that that's built into the software for you know range reasons, so you can still get to where you're going without just totally killing the car, it is frustrating from time to time when you know you're only going around the block. Uh, the workaround I found for this is to put the car in neutral, go into your safety menu, and manually apply the parking brake uh, and then you can walk in the store and do whatever you need. But you also have to man- remember to manually lock the car as it will not auto-lock as you leave. Um, and furthermore, if you wanted to better incorporate the dog mode aspect of this, let's say, forced dog mode, you could always pop up the paint or the uh, drawing uh, app on the car and draw dog mode and draw you know, a nice little message so if someone were to walk by, they know the car is at whatever degrees. Uh, just thought I'd throw that out there as a friendly tip. Great show. Thanks, Ryan. Bye. By the way, I just realized, I don't think I, I mentioned the result of my upper control arm check. They were totally fine, which is what I expected because they weren't making any noise. So if those ever go on me, I'm at 40,000 miles now. So what I've seen in the community is that they tend to go at a little higher mileage than that. So I guess I'll be on the hook for those if they go at some point. But, you know, what are you going to do? You just drive the car, enjoy the car, and it is what it is. Anyway, Chris, thank you very much for that pro tip of the week. I think that is an excellent hack slash workaround to get dog mode to work when the car battery is under 20%. Now, anyone doing this should be mindful of how far you are from your destination, of course. But as you noted, Chris... If you're close to home or a charging location, this is an excellent way to circumvent that situation. Thank you very much. And if anybody else out there has a pro tip of the week that you'd like to share with me and the Ride the Lightning audience, 
I would love to hear uh, hear about it. So please send that the same way that you send in regular Ride the Lightning hotline calls. And I told you how to do that a little earlier in the show. Okay, before I get out of here, let me mention some friends of the podcast. I'll start with abstractocean.com. So many great aftermarket Tesla accessories for all four currently in production Tesla vehicles, whether it's lighting kits for the interior of either a brighter white or just a different color. Maybe you want purple lighting for your accent lighting inside. That's a thing you can get at abstractocean.com. Maybe you want the rear footwell lighting kit, particularly you Model Y owners, just to just to make that second row look a little nicer, you know, for if you're sitting back there. Maybe you want the drop-in cup holder stabilizer so that your cup or bottle's not wiggling around that fixed Tesla cup holder. Maybe you want the fourth generation tempered glass screen protector or one of the other just dozens upon dozens of products for all four Teslas that abstractocean.com has available. Go there, take a look. And if you find something you like, better yet, if you find some various multiple things you like, pile it all into your shopping cart, hit the checkout and put in the coupon code RTLPODCAST to get 15% off of your first order. Again, that's RTLPODCAST, all one word. Thank you to abstractocean.com for continuing to offer that to my listeners. Next up, the snap plate, which you can get again for all four currently in production Teslas at everyamp.com slash RTL. That is the front license plate bracket that is the way to go rather than going with Tesla's sticky tape version that just automotively adheses to the front of your car and will leave behind a residue. I've seen it. I think I told you about it last week if you try to take it off. So the snap plate is paint safe, grill safe, radiator safe, autopilot safe. It looks nice. It's nice and minimalist. I'm a fan. Take it off for car shows or while you're detailing the car, put it back on. If you're parked at a parking meter or going to be going through a toll road or a bridge, get yours at everyamp.com RTL. How about budget safe solar? Pretty well every Tesla owner, I think is fair to say, has a pretty good, if not exact idea of the cost of their electricity that your car uses. But the thing is, you know that, and I know I'm one in this group too, we know this now based upon today's electric grid rates. None of us know how much these rates are gonna go up in five, 10 or 15 years. Uh, with PG&E here in the San Francisco Bay Area, clearly they're going to keep going up, and my wife and I are talking about solar now. But anyway, to get back on point, the people that do know how much their their electricity is going to cost in the next 5, 10, 15 years are people with solar at home. So if you've thought about getting solar installed at your home or office, I would encourage you genuinely to contact Friend of the show, Budget Safe Solar. Their website is simply budgetsafesolar.com. I mean, yeah, call, like, contact Tesla. Of course, do that. But it's Budget Safe Solar is, they're definitely going to answer the phone. T- Tesla Energy, you know, I've read a lot of uh, things about, you know, they're maybe not as staffed, as well staffed as they as they should be. So 
Um, plus, you know, if you're going to do solar, you probably want multiple quotes anyway. So yes, call Tesla or you know, contact Tesla, but also contact Budget Safe Solar. Their byline, their motto is capping tomorrow's energy costs today. By the way, if you are considering joining the growing field of solar, uh, they'd love to talk to you about that opportunity as well. So either way, reach out to them via their website, budgetsafesolar.com. And I kindly ask, if you do end up proceeding with a solar installation at your home or office, please use the referral code RTL. I would greatly appreciate that. Next up, Immaculate Reflections, keeping my car, the Spirit of Adventure, looking better than new, and they can do the same for you and your car as well. So if you are in or going to be in the greater San Francisco Bay Area, Immaculate Reflections is here. They are ready for you. Uh, although Jeff, the owner and proprietor there, he does book up. So just if you're thinking about it, I would encourage you to reach out sooner rather than later because he can book out sometimes weeks in advance. Uh, and, and some of, you know, depending on the job he's doing, the, these jobs can be huge. If they're, if like, you know, my car was paint correction, full paint protection film, top to bottom, back to front, and ceramic coating. So, you know, th those, that is, does not happen quickly. But when you want to do it, have it done correctly. So... Point is, reach out sooner rather than later if you're thinking of having any of uh, their services done. Again, you don't have to do everything. You do do what works for you, and Jeff at Immaculate Reflections will work with you and your budget to get it done, and I promise you, you will not regret it. Jeff's an awesome person and an awesome detailer as well. Reach out at irdetailing.com, and you can contact him through there. There's an email address you'll find. And when you do, just mention, hey, I'm a Ride the Lightning listener. May I please have a discount? And Jeff will say, yes, you may. No problem. So check him out, irdetailing.com. PureTesla.com slash RTL, your one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode needs. I've got their 128 gigabyte kit in my car. That's 49 bucks shipped free anywhere in the US. It's micro SD based. So it's, it's built for the constant reading and writing that the Tesla needs to do. There's also a 256 gigabyte kit for 69 bucks. They also, as like a bonus item, also sell slimline, you know, slim profile wireless game controller kits that will stash away nicely in your center console. They're not the, you know, like the big, the, the Xbox controller, I think is the greatest video game controller that's ever been made. I, I, I mean, the DualSense for PS5 is excellent as well, but I, bar, I would 10 times out of 10, I think the, the, the current version of the Xbox controller is the best controller ever made, but it's not small and neither is the DualSense. The, the kit that puretesla.com slash RTL sells is a nice like slimmer, lower profile thing that's gonna take up less room in your car, in your center console. So check that out. Uh, whether, you know, if that's of interest or, and, or the micro SD based dash cam kits. Finally, I'd like to mention, if you would just give me a moment to mention my Patreon, uh, I'm trying to be more active on there, have more content for those of you kind enough to back me and support me on Patreon. You know, you've heard me talking about that earlier in the show. 
And I've been having fun with it, doing the the weekly Patreon poll and doing the uh, that's open to all patrons at any any pledge level. And then the uh, the weekly lightning round mini episodes, bonus mini episodes. That's for the that's the ludicrous tier. That's the ten dollar a month tier or higher. So uh, you know, again, there are many tiers starting at just five bucks a month. But any of them also offer an annual option as well. So if you just, if rather than supporting monthly, you'd just like to do an annual, a one-time annual pledge, you can do that and then you will get a 5% discount in return for that very kind and generous 12-month commitment. So I hope maybe that's a little bit of of an incentive if that works any better for you. But again, I I do put a lot into these shows each week, as I hope is evident as you listen to it. A lot of research, a lot of time, a lot of enthusiasm, uh, a lot of love and research. So perhaps today, perhaps tomorrow, perhaps next week, you will feel that I have earned your support on Patreon and you will go to patreon.com slash tesla podcast that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n is how patreon is spelled patreon.com slash tesla podcast that is my patreon page if you'd like to learn more about my patreon and perhaps make a pledge to support my efforts over there Uh, and with that let me i guess i'll just mention my social media so if, if you're if you're interested if you want to uh, you know, follow more of what I'm up to on a day-to-day basis. I'm on Twitter and Instagram on the, at the same handle, DMC underscore Ryan on both of those. The email address I've mentioned a couple of times on the show today, teslapodcast at gmail.com. And with that, now let me say hello to the uh, grandfathered in the the uh, plaid level supporters. The plaid level's gone, but I still want to make sure that they get their shout out, those that are still backing at that tier. So thank you so much to George Cassiopo, David Brander, Logan Willis, Jason Chalukas, Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, Dory and Steve Guberman, Jeremy, the Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Dennis Peake, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, The Lydia Family, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, The Tesla Owners East Bay Club, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, The Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zelezny, Ish, Not Elon Musk, T. Kirk Lowry, Peter, and The Bear Boys of Colorado. An extra big thank you goes out to the Maximum Plaid backers, who, uh, in addition to a number of perks, including the shout-out they're about to get, the uh, the Maximum Plaid group also gets invited to a monthly group Zoom hangout where we chat Tesla for an hour. And in fact, I need to figure out... I think, I think I'm not going to do it next weekend because it's 4th of July weekend and a lot of people will be traveling. I think we'll aim for the following weekend. So I'll send out calendar invites and an email for that uh, in another probably week from now. So look out for that next week. But in any case, a shout out and a thank you goes to the Maximum Plaid backers. They are Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, the Galpin family, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, 
Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Hay Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Mait Suaru, Derek Nesselrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Tyler Smith, Corey O'Donnell, Matthew Graham Droneberger, Scott Gillis, Aaron Huxley, John Cody, Aaron, Andre Kent, Joel Sapp, Kim Bay, Paul Casarino, Richard Corley, Chris Osborne, KB, Matt Asbury, We Drive Tesla EV Luxury Car Rental in Oahu, and HaloBengals.com. And finally, an extra big thanks to the Roadster in Space tier backers. They get all the perks, including a one-on-one monthly chat with me, should they choose to elect it each and every month. Thank you to Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, uh, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Rolf and Jennifer Evers, Howard Anthony Smith, Victoria Iacoveto, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, and Carol Weston. That will bring us to the end of Ride the Lightning episode 360, which was also my favorite Xbox, the 360, the Xbox 360, uh, for a snoozing Daisy the Boxer. I'm Ryan McCaffrey. I hope you enjoyed this week's show. I had a lot of fun doing this week's show. There were a lot of really, really fun topics to discuss this time. And so with that, I wish you happy electric motoring, and I will see you back here next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.